You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome to a very, very uh, surprised episode of the Saturday Morning RPG Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Hello, sir. How are you this fine 2024? doing great how are you today it's I'm, been a bit it's been a while yeah we've been busy and i was i was in a christmas show that uh That's we would true. get home at like two Oof. uh i was like in bed asleep by like two on fridays and the and so, lead right so yeah. had to carry the show on your shoulders well that's that's debatable <laughs> but okay. um but yeah it was uh it was just exhausted and then christmas hit and then other stuff and you were busy with work and other things like that i think so like we haven't we just haven't been here but hello it has been very long i apologize um have i recovered from the holidays uh yeah i guess i don't know like still got a lot i got a a lot of rest that's good um i did get a little bit of rest the hardest thing about that that show though was we get home so late, but then your toddler still wakes up at seven. And oh, he's yeah. like, why are we not doing stuff? And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so we would like, I would get up and hang out with him and we'd do stuff. And then midway through the day, I'm like, I got to go take a nap. And my wife would jump in and stuff. So uh, we made yeah. it work, but I don't think I'll do it again. Those late night shows mm-hmm. killed me. I'm I'm definitely in my 40s. And so I was like, yeah. I don't think I, I'm not 25 anymore. I don't think I could do this. Well, it'll probably be what, maybe three, three more years, four more years, and then he'll just be tied to his own Game Boy or Steam Deck that you buy him, and then you won't maybe. even have to worry about it no more. We'll <laughs> he'll be an '80s to... kid. You put him in front of the cartoon box, yeah. and then you just watch cartoons all day long. Yeah, yeah. So I'm building shelves in the basement, and I set up uh, the retro TV, <laughs> the retro TV, the the cathode tube TV that we the have. Big yeah, box. like it yes. weighs a, a ton. <laughs> <laughs> and I finally got that set up, and then I bought uh, a Raspberry Pi with some emulators and stuff on it, and I built a little mm-hmm. thing and plugged it in there. And it works, and it, like, plays on the TV really well, and I was like, this is awesome. Um, and so I was like, he'll he'll not have, uh, he'll not want for games growing up, I don't think, <laughs> uh, is, is what's probably going to happen. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, hello, everybody. Uh, we're, we're just going to... I don't know, do our usual stick. It's kind of, we're, we're out of practice. We'll see where the show takes us. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure you guys have heard all of the, the bad news of Hasbro laying off people before Christmas. <laughs> uh, I don't really need to get into it because we've already gotten into it a whole bunch. It's like obviously a crabby thing to be fired right before Christmas, but um, there you go. And a lot of this, I did a video on the main channel that is like, I don't know, 2024 prediction, not predictions, yep. but just like my thoughts going into all of this. Cause 2023 was a hard year, not just with the OGL and the other stuff, but uh, for me personally, it was just a hard year because of my house mm-hmm. construction and things like that. But um, I think the future is bright for RPGs. I don't know. There was somebody on, this is unprompted question for you, Lucian, but there was somebody mm-hmm. on the, uh, Twitter space that I forget who, and I don't know if they're of importance and I should be, and I should know who they are. I, that sounds bad, but like, I don't mm-hmm. know. But uh, he was saying that the golden age of RPGs is dead because the pandemic is over, which got me thinking, what does golden age of RPG actually mean? 
because I don't I don't know if that's just sales or the amount of people playing them. And uh, but the idea was, is that the hobby will become so splintered now because uh, you'll go to somebody and be like, hey, I want to play D&D. And they're like, well, we play the MCDM RPG or, oh, we play Daggerheart or, oh, we play Shadow Dark or we play this. And they're all kind of similar. And I've heard similar mm-hmm. things, similar concerns about the OSR where it's not unified enough that it'll never catch on because you need that, like, we're all playing, I don't know, checkers. We're not taking checkers and making our own sub-variant of checkers that nobody knows what it is because uh, time is limited. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. What what did you think? Do you think the golden age is over? Were we ever even in the golden age? Mm -hmm. I would argue that we're not, but. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, when the to me, I think the last golden age that I remember would have been the eighties when it gotten pretty popular again. I felt like everybody, all the people I knew in high school and stuff were playing. I knew a lot of college people were playing eighties and nineties, and then they would kind of fall off after that. They wouldn't yeah. play much past that, and that seemed like that was what the golden age of back then was, and what we compare it to now. But just the market saturation of what we've had in the, say, last five years for Dungeons & Dragons seems like it's probably peaked. And I could see it maybe coming back down where tabletop role-playing games kind of come back down. Um, It was a nostalgia hit for maybe 10 years or a decade there. It was everybody going back, oh, I used to do that. Maybe I'll try it again. And then there was this whole new group of people. And just the idea of the number of people me and you have met where it was the first time they'd ever even tried it. And yeah. I think that kind of points to a golden age versus when we're out of the golden age, you're meeting people who, oh, I used to do that and I'll try it again. But you're not really meeting a lot of people who said, oh, I've never tried this and I'm looking to try it. So I, I could see if that was your barometer of yeah. are we in a golden age and are we now out of a golden age? I like the premise of it's almost like saying, um, hey, Jordan, I like computer games. Let's play computer games. And in that thought, would be we both play the same type of computer game, but yeah. then you'd be go like, oh, I like a side scroller. I only like, play I like Diablo. Shooter. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, like... like, oh, and we don't hook up. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, oh, okay, because there are so many types of games. And TTRPGs yeah. have gotten to the point now where there are so many types of games that if a bunch of them got pretty popular, then you would have big kind of yeah. columns of fan base versus what we've had the monolith for, for so long. Yeah. So I that's think that's an good. Interesting you know, premise. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons became like Kleenex, but we never had that with like video games, except your mom always called your Xbox the Nintendo, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I wonder Mm -hmm. if it's kind of like that, where it's like, I know that Xbox is different than this. I know that these type of games, I like this publisher. Like, I really like Konami. I'm never going to buy a rare game. I don't know. But uh, you're right. It's it's probably going to be more like that. And I think at the end of the day, if you make a fun game, people are going to play it. Um, yeah. so They'll find an audience. Yeah, your mom, Sky. Yeah, specifically Sky's <laughs> mom. Uh, but no, you're right. Like I remember. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think the more it, I think yeah, getting away from D and D as being like the the brand name tissue Kleenex, and mm-hmm. having it more of, uh, tabletop RPG, and this is one version of it. But like, yeah, putting, they need another name the, for it. Yeah, because RPG I, is too yeah. broad. Yeah, 
Yeah, you're right. Uh, somebody Japan apparently calls them table talk role-playing games, and I like that a lot because it's like, no, just get around and cool. talk. You talk out your problems. It's great. You might talk out your problems with violence, but you're just using words. Swords. <laughs> and fireballs. But yeah. So, I would say uh, one other indicator. Let me know if you think this too. One other indicator. Kickstarter still seem to be making pretty good money from spinoffs of tabletop role-playing game systems. And I wonder if when we're out of the golden age, if we're saying right now is a golden age, is when we start to see those Kickstarters fail or not meet over maybe just a couple hundred thousand dollars versus they're, they're breaking millions left and right yeah. all over the place. Historica, Arcanum, you know, MCDM, they're all breaking big records and big numbers still. So I wonder if that's another indication that maybe we are in a golden age. Oh, man. <clears throat> oh, and by the way, uh, someone in chat said that that was Ben Riggs who said this golden age tweet. Ben Riggs. Um, he's a RPG historian. I think he wrote a bunch of books. Um Oh my gosh. Uh, I have the exact answer to your question that <laughs> Dave uh, Thaum Thaumavor, he, uh, he does RPG reviews on the internet um, and he posted a link to me the other day that was the RPG Kickstarter geek list tracking. So they went over the total number of RPG projects from 2012 to 2022 and uh, 2021 had the most uh which was oh. 60 million dollars total and so to reflect on that 2022 2012 was like 10 million total and so it ramps up like this i can't show you the graphic but it's up here mm -hmm. um but i can share it with lucia that's when kickstarter takes off though too the, there's a I lot recall. of factors there yeah you're right yeah um but it went down in 2022 and I think that Which was partially surprising. the OGL debacle and things like that. And people were kind of unsure, like, Ooh, or, mm. oh, you know, for sure. And the ending of 5e, a lot of people aren't going to make 5e supplements because they're like, I, I don't know, like, what, what's the world coming to kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But it was interesting. And then Backerkit apparently has the same kind of thing where they released their stuff. And they also had an increase, you know, in all of all of their things. So, uh I, it, it it was highly lucrative <laughs> to make yeah. uh, RPG supplements in 2022, 2023. We'll see. We'll see about the future. So I don't know. Well, I remember during COVID year two, I bet it was pretty high too, because I felt like I spent a lot of money on Kickstarters during COVID. And I think I yeah. paired it back like you did last year. Like I definitely told myself not to do as many as I had done in the previous years because I was getting a little crazy over yeah. 2018 2019 2020 and i was like okay i need to pair it back a little bit i've got so many books it's crazy <laughs> like for so example I could see 2022 going down and 2023 maybe going down too yeah like for example we'll talk about it but mcdm they raised 4.6 million but the minute they announced that mcdm rpg or they started the, the backer kit i was like i don't need to they're gonna have books for decades like this is gonna be yeah. so popular and so it's one of those things that I'm like, I don't think I need to get in on the ground floor of this. Like if it comes out, yeah, it's really good. Time. Like there's lots of other stuff, but I, I have so much OSR stuff that I'm really loving to play mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. that's kind of more important to me right now. So, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll have to check in. So next year in 2025, yeah. 
which is a crazy thing to even say. I'm surprised we're in 2024, but yeah. 2025, we'll have to check back in and say, did the golden year, was it over? Did it decline this whole year? We'll see. It could be, this could be the year. To, it's going to happen, right? At some point, it'll it'll be back out of favor. It won't be as popular. There'll be something else that's new and fun that everybody does. And this will just kind of in the background until I think nostalgia cycle brings it back around and then yeah. boom, everybody's playing role-playing games again or something. Yeah, I don't, you know, and we'll see. I don't, I, I also want to define, like, I'm like, I, the golden age of comics was not when comics were selling the most, you know? And it True. didn't, like, splinter off into a bunch of other comics. So I, I think it was kind of a, a random yeah. tweet. But it got a lot of traction because with 6th edition or the 2024 edition of D&D coming out, it's kind of like, what's happening, you know? Where are we going with this? And things like that. So um, yeah. I'm just, I don't know, I'm really curious. But uh I mean, companies want you to play their game, but I, I, and I was equating it to, you know, TSR failed when they made too many campaign settings. And so, you know, they made Forgotten Realms and Dragonlance and, and Planescape. And then it got to the point where, well, if I played Planescape, I, I didn't buy the Forgotten Realms stuff because I only needed Planescape stuff. So why would I buy the Forgotten right. Realms stuff? And so they fractured their own market and they oversaturated with books and things like that. And I wondered if having all of these different RPGs was going to do two things. One, fracture the market. And so it's like, well, you know, one person can't sell you a whole bunch of books because they already bought like X, Y, and Z other little books, which is kind of happening. Like I didn't buy the MCDM mm -hmm. RPG because I have other books that I bought. Um, but the other side of that is like, I wonder if people are going to start making system neutral things because already Monty Cook Games and Paizo are making their in-house game uh, or story, and then they'll make a module that's 5e compatible. So it's like, I could buy this in Cypher system or 5e, or I could buy mm -hmm. this here. And so it's like, we're already, you're already seeing that. Are we just going to go straight system neutral where it's like, I don't know, figure it out, but we'll see. Uh well, one other thing, let me let me think before yeah, yeah. I jump there too. One indicator that that's happening from the company itself, that's the monolith or has been the monolith, is that Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro itself, which we obviously know are this kind of the same entity, um, they're putting a lot of the money into, I, we were just looking online, three different computer game companies versus all that money that they're spending right there could have been put into We'll make more product books. We'll make more campaigns, or we'll oh, make yeah. more but the return D, &D books. But they're not right. Yeah. So where they're where are they putting their money? They're putting their money in merchandising, other licensing. you know movies, yeah. licensing, and then these three computers. So they're kind of seeing the computer era area of gaming being more than the book because they're just putting more money into yeah. it. So even they are kind of like yeah. riding where the bubble is of the tabletop role-playing game and, and hedging their bets or well, the, putting their, their stake in other spots. The physical sales of books is not as profitable. And Sly Flourish put this really well where Hasbro bought D&D Beyond for like $150 million. Mm -hmm. Is Did it cost $150 million to design and develop 5e? Absolutely not. Did it cost mm -hmm. $1 million? probably not even like who, mm -hmm. you know very little yeah, number all the salaries like, all the yeah, yeah you that. start thinking of all the people the that rent, put into yeah. it and like the art you commissioned i was like to, to actually develop five and so it's like 
Why yeah. is D&D Beyond worth 150 million when it's not even the game that you're making? And it's because of the brand and and, yeah. and moving out and doing all this other stuff. And so they they know that they want the brand to succeed more than they want the game to succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, keychains and, and coffee mugs and t-shirts and posters and yeah. you know, clothing and, and everything getting on, it and to and be movies. like a fanatical like man, I love D&D. So, I yeah. mean, the whole reason we have like a show like this is is because of that, you know? Like we we bought mm-hmm. into it. So, um Book of Many Things is coming out. Uh mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't have a copy. I think you can get it at local game stores now. We should probably check on that. But uh, it it is available on D&D Beyond, and I have looked at it a little bit there. Um, and I think it's the best product that they've come out with in a while. Um, better than the Planescape box, box set. And I didn't read Big B's, but like better than a lot of the other stuff. As far as like GM tools, which I don't feel like we mm-hmm. get a lot. And so I'm excited to actually sit down with the physical cards and like create my own campaign, like mini campaign, be like, oh yeah, and then this happens and this happens. I think that's a really cool, like a tarot deck for for RPG design. That's kind of neat. So Yeah, I like yeah. the physical kind of things that you can bring to a table where you can do those kinds of things. It's always a cool creative idea, I think. Yeah. Um we have the rumor is that May is when the uh, 2024 edition of D&D will be released. And that's from a screenshot at a PAX Unplugged event. Has since been taken down. Um, Hasbro's just denied everything. But it was probably just like, I don't know. It was on there and nobody spot checked it or something. It's probably like Mm -hmm. a pending date. Who knows if Mm -hmm. it's a hard date. It would be a good date for them. Um, And I think they said they want to release all three books. So Monster Manual player's handbook and uh dungeon master's guide at the same time which is not usually what they do uh so we'll see but uh that's that's that yeah so tentatively may which is a ways off yeah you know five i'm so interested to see how they what what they're gonna try to name it like what are they we you know what's the speculation yeah yeah the the people will they didn't want to name it 5e they wanted you to call it D&D next or just D&D uh the people called it 5e so if it's enough like 5e, we'll call it 5.5. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. Or like, I don't know, new 5.5 or so, or 5e or something. But yeah. Yep, what's I this, can see it being that. What's this Exodus game? What's going on here? I'm really curious. Yeah, so when I went to their front page today, just because I hadn't been out there for a bit, right on the front page, they were talking about this game company that they are partnered with or are backing, and they're going to make RPG games. Uh, based off of a, it's a sci-fi RPG game. They didn't video give a game, lot of right? details, yeah. video game. Um, they do list like a lot of the people they've hired have come from a lot of big name companies, but I think that's what a lot of computer game companies like to do and say, oh, we've got the guy who did Baldur's Gate 3 and we've got a guy who was on the Mass Effect team and we've got, you know, that's one of the ways they try to drum up the excitement. Um, they have a trailer that is a CGI non-gameplay trailer Um so it's definitely sci-fi. It's um, become the traveler. Um, I got a kind of a Mass Effect vibe from it. Um, mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, this is this is interesting. It's a company out of Austin that they backed, and we knew that if you guys go back to some of our old shows, we've talked about when they were announcing, or we had found that there was two or three yeah. video games in process of being made, or they were getting studios together to be able to build 
AAA games, and we weren't sure what they were going to be. One of them is this archetype entertainment is doing this game called Exodus. And they were also and coming up with to... new intellectual property, right? Because the whole thing yeah. was like, they're not doing a D&D game or a Magic the Gathering game. And we're like, oh, really? So Yeah, on some of them. And then some were, I think, were going to be like, the other one, like the Skeleton Key Studio sounds like they are making a D&D property game. Exodus, I think, is a non, it's a new property, yeah. but backed by... Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. And then there's Invoke Studio, which I also saw on their webpage. So they've got like three different studios, um, two of them Austin-based, one of them Montreal-based, Canada, which kind of aligns with some of the news stuff that we had saw back in the day about different computer companies that we're working with or they were they were ramping up to start building games. Who knows when we'll see games? A lot of game development can be anywhere from five to seven or five to 10 years to see a game. So I don't know if that means, you know, when we would mm. see a game that would come from this, but um, I just thought it was interesting. It sounds like they're heavily leaning onto computer game side and they want to take the licensing and the, and the money that they've earned and the profit that they've gained and they're pushing it into that realm, which probably is because they always get that, you know, stockholder share thing that computer games made $10 billion this year. So everybody wants to get in on that kind of market, right? So, you know, yeah. I could see them pushing into that. I mean, and that's where people are gaming. I honestly, mean, games game make more money than movies. Like, yeah. it is the, it's one of the highest risk, I think, because it's really easy to make a Saturated bad market, game. but big. Um, but like, if you can, you know, if you can make a, a mass yeah. effect you can make a lot of money <laughs> yeah well baldur's gate baldur's gate 3, 3 yeah. knocked it out of the park last year and i wonder if they're building on the idea that how successful they were in partnering with larion now we me and you even said even just in our pre-show we realize larion is a company that should get the kudos because they're a good company and they've made good games before and yes the partnership with dd is awesome but I'm pretty sure that the reason the game is the way it is because how good Larian is. Versus yeah, because they some just took the Forgotten just... Realms and made <laughs> yeah. a Baldur's yeah. Gate game. But Larian's, Larian's Larian a good top choice, you know. Company. Yeah. But I could see them saying, well, if we were real successful there, why can't we be successful in other places? And we'll find out if they can pull it off or if they've, you know, if it flops. So I hope for good games. If not, well, there's always so many more other good games I can go play. It's okay if they if it doesn't. You know, not all of them have to be great, but I'll, yeah. I'll probably at least check them out or keep an eye on them as they go through. Because I mean, I'm it, interested in that franchise. You they're know, all, they're all just, my thing. yeah, they're they're chasing profits, and so I'm sure they looked at yeah. like, hey, movies are profitable. Let's make a movie. But then at the end of this year, they sold their stake in the movie company. So Hasbro's not like partnering to make movies. They might license out IP to make other movies, but they're not gonna um, have a hands-on approach like they did before. And yeah. then, uh, but games well, does, are Does that mean we won't so. get a number two of um, the movie they did? Do you think we won't get a sequel? Uh, there's no plans for a sequel, uh, but Chris, uh, I almost said Pratt. Chris yeah, Pine. Chris Pine. <laughs> yep. There's too many Chris's in Hollywood. Chris yeah. Pine said that he was going to do, uh, he wants to do a sequel. And he's kind of like petitioning for it oh, to be cool. like, oh, like I want to do like this. Um, cause he likes the, the franchise. And so, yeah, then it would be, uh, who owns the movie rights and it's like Hasbro and this company that they sold it to and they would have to negotiate. So it could still happen. It would just have less Hasbro involvement. Um, and yeah, like how many Transformers movies did we get? That's a good 
point, Soltron. Um, yeah. Lots of Transformers movies, but the Transformers movies underperformed the last couple times, and so they're like, I don't know, we don't want to do this anymore, you know. So yeah, we got two or three GI Joe movies, <laughs> even though I love GI Joe. Well, and the last Transformers movie had a GI Joe tie-in, and they were like, oh, they're gonna merge the exactly. universes, and it's like, no, okay, whatever. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, we don't know. Long story short, but um, point is, is games are more video games are more profitable than movies and they have heavily invested in video games so yeah um in the osr world shadow dark was released physically it's a very pretty book a lot of people are mm -hmm. playing it um i got my physical copy i'm very excited to have it uh matt colville loves shadow dark somebody sent me a, <laughs> a picture of the like inspirations for the mcdm rpg and shadow dark is listed number one with a hyperlink in the PDF that takes you directly where you can buy it. And I know Kelsey uh, who wrote Shadow Dark and she was just like, what? Like, that's like the mm -hmm. best free advertising I could ever get, you know, cause she yeah. raised $1 million and he raised 4.6. People are going to check it out. Pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, Nave 2E was released in PDF a couple of days ago. I want to say Tuesday. Um, and I haven't had a chance to peruse it, but it looks really good. Um, and then another OSR news, ZineQuest 2024 is happening this February. It's going to mm -hmm. be awesome. Like, I think ZineQuest is going to have a lot of cool stuff this, this year, especially because of uh, the Creative Commons stuff. Like, there's so many mechanics that are there now that are just like, I don't, it's great. Like, I don't have to worry. And so I think people are going to do that. Take them out. Um, yeah, Sly Flourish is a big fan of Shadow Dark. He's running a Shadow Dark campaign right now. And if you're curious about that, he has videos detailing his, like, or, like, vlogs being like, this is what I did in Shadow Dark last night. And he's having a blast with it. And I know Baron DeRop, who's another YouTuber, he's running Hot Springs Island with Shadow Dark, which got me thinking. I'm like, well, I've already ran it for DCC and 5e. I should probably rerun it with Shadow Dark. Yeah. That would be exciting. So... Um, the MCDM RPG ended yesterday, the crowdfunding for it, and at 4.6 million, which I think this is the most that MCDM has made, right? Because his other so. books, I think he's he broke 2 million. I'm trying to think about Flea Mortals, if that was 2 or 3. Yeah. But this is yeah. by far the biggest. So, And Flea Mortals is an excellent, excellent book. I haven't had a chance to use any of those monsters because I haven't been running 5e, but uh, I will hopefully be running uh, Plangea soon. And that'll be like my first dip back into 5e really yeah. since uh, Great Modron March ended. Um, I shouldn't say mm -hmm. ended on hiatus. We're going to try and get back in March. We'll see. So, Very cool. Um, what's going on with Paizo? Um, so I looked, they did a lot of um, holiday sales. It seemed like over January, they, they weren't doing a lot. They'd already had their schedule set. So there wasn't a lot that I saw coming out that I thought was too excited. They are still doing their um, field test or play testing of their next version of Starfinder, which is, has a lot of people excited because I think we've all wanted a revised version of Starfinder because the original world they've created for starfinder i think a lot of people are intrigued with the artwork is fantastic but the rules i felt were a little clunky trying to learn them and i've other people i've tried to play with well they're trying to bring it up to pathfinder second edition standards right like kind of yes yeah yeah all their lessons they've learned all their editing lessons they've learned you know 
streamlining things that needed to be streamlined, adding in more things that they were adding in. So Playtest 3 is out. You can go to the website and you can take a look at it. It looks like they're uh, kind of doing the playtesting of the, it used to be called species when you would pick your in your character class, but yeah. now they're moving it over to ancestries, which just aligns with, you know, the Pathfinder 2E revision that they did too. And it makes sense. So, and I think for them, it's a no brainer to have, if you're going to have Pathfinder 2E be a rule set, your Starfinder rule set should be so similar that both groups could play interchangeably. You wouldn't want to create the game where it's so different that the the fans of Starfinder can't figure out Pathfinder and the fans of Pathfinder can't quite figure out Starfinder. You don't want that. You well, want your uh, whole group, yeah. you know, play both. I mean, uh, Goodman Games, like the uh, Mutant Crawl Classics versus Dungeon Crawl Classics, like they're very interchangeable. And they even yeah. say, like, you can do this. And yeah, if you run a mutant in a high wizarding campaign, they're not going to be as strong just because you don't have access to technology and stuff. But the mm -hmm. idea is that, like, if you understand the mechanics in one system, the other one is very similar. And so it should be close yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. You should be able to get through a session, you know, get through. And I'm excited for it, too, because I think I would have played a lot more Starfinder if the rules weren't quite as clunky. Mm. Um, because the world they build and the artwork that they have backing it and all of the supplements that they have that once that stuff kind of fits into a system that's easy to learn, I could see it being very popular, very popular, because nobody else really touches them on that sci-fi level of content. Like you want, you want a content channel on YouTube that could just go through so many different yeah. books and so many different things, go through the Starfinder stuff and all the, the adventures they've released and all the extra books they put out there, all the different worlds they've created, Lock all the yourself different races in a room they've and created. Yeah, for eight it's months. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and then come back out There's and you'll lot. be able to talk so, about it. That's good. And sometimes that's what, you know, us Dungeon Masters looking for the game that we want to jump into. Sometimes we love a, a single shot that has very small, easy to read book and you can just play it. But then other times we're looking for that big where we know if we jump into it, there's a lot for us to explore and there's a lot for us to go out and get with plenty of room for us to put our own stuff in. But also if I want to know about this star system and this moon and this planet, there's, I can go get that book and do like, Oh, what's going on here? What's well, first of all, Lucian, all? that's no moon. That's true. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that was our first line in our uh, session spoilers for Dungeon of the Mad Mage when we were in our Spelljammer ship Ooh. heading towards the moon in my character definitely said wait a minute that's Good job. the moon <laughs> proud of you <laughs> yes um so that's all i saw i expect we'll start to see the new announcements for the 2024 lineup they are not shy about putting out their books that are going to be coming out they're not shy about getting everything out there i saw a bunch of their new books on my comic board book shelves the revised editions because they also did a second edition revised to their books this past year too um, just like uh, Hasbro's doing with their, or Wizards is doing with theirs. So yeah. everybody seems to be in this revising and, well, and cleaning Well, Pathfinder up. revised to get rid of every scrap of OGL-ness. They want to yeah. make sure that they own everything, <laughs> which yeah. is kind of, it's odd because I think a lot of people were sad they got rid of the word drow, even though Hasbro doesn't right. own drow. They got rid of owlbear because Hasbro doesn't own, but Hasbro doesn't own the idea of an owlbear. Um, but they really wanted to make sure that they're like, you you can't sue us we're our own thing yeah like, we're our um, own which is fine you know I, yeah I'm okay i understand that. That. I being scared did. so i think it's yeah. sad that they have to do that but we're in a sue happy world and i know hasbro likes their lawyers so 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's all we see with Paizo. I expect um, a little bit more as we get towards the end of January that we'll see a bunch more announcements and hype. And they always build up to get to Gen Con and they always do some big Gen Con releases. So I think we'll see that from Paizo. I just think we're in a little bit of a slow period as that people did their, the first you know, their the Christmas year. vacations, <laughs> holiday vacations. They let their people, they're usually good with their to their people also. So I imagine that maybe they ramped production down some to, you know, fit in the holidays and then they could ramp back up and, and do their thing. So then the other thing I saw, which uh, I thought was very interesting, this game called Salvage Union, um, a mecha game. And I know you are a mecha Woo! game fan. <laughs> this does uh, look really cool. Yeah. Quest RPG rule set. I hadn't heard of the Quest RPG rule set. Apparently it's a press. Is that what you're saying? Yep, it's okay. uh, the company's Leyline Press, but the rule set oh, is rule. Quest okay. RPG, yeah, and know. it sounds like it's a D20, but it's similar to Powered by the Pockets, where you have a critical success, um, a regular success, or like a success with a complication, you know, that kind of form of difficulty settings where you could get something, but you know, there could be complications or mm -hmm. something added on to it too. But instead of using just the 2D6 plus stat, which is the Powered by the Apocalypse version of that, it's a D20 style of that kind of same philosophy. So it's interesting because I do like the idea of the dice not only being a roll that matches a threshold, but then how much of the threshold is either over or under also could give the dungeon master a chance oh. to add something in. Yeah, know? I've heard of Quest. So. I think I have a PDF of Quest. Now that okay. I, I looked up Quest RPG, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I yeah. recognize this. So. Yeah. so that sounds interesting. Now the premise of Salvage Union is post-apocalyptic world, uh, Earth-like, but you're basically in Mecca. You're part of, um, you have like a, a big Union salvage ship that is out there salvaging and you're going across this wasteland and you're salvaging stuff to bring back and either to sell to corporations or to create and add things to your, your mechs or, you know, make money. But and it's then a post-apocalyptic world and of, you're, you're out salvaging you're for salvaging. Your survival. Yeah. Yeah. You're a salvage team of some sort. Lots of tropes for this. You could, you know, lots of anime versions of, of stuff that just came up in my mind. The artwork looked really good. And I thought like, like what you said about the book itself, even the book looked kind of cool. It was intriguing just the really way cool. they, you know, they present their book. So um, something to maybe look at. Salvage There's a free Union, quick start. Um, so yeah, beta quick start guide version 1.5 on their website and it's free. So we should check it out for sure. Um, so I like that one. Um, I'm always looking for a good uh, mecha game. I love all, I, I've got Lancer. I've got Robotech. I've got Battletech. So I always like a good mecha game. Um, and then the other thing I saw, which was interesting for me, I also sometimes like a superhero tabletop RPG and Green Ronin is bringing out the Valiant comic book world, which is a huge comic book world for those of you oh, that okay. love superhero comics. There's lots of characters, lots of superheroes, lots of villains. You can go, there's a huge comic book thing behind it. They're going to do a Valiant RPG so that you could play superhero tabletop is, RPGs. Is Valiant, Valiant like a, a Marvel where they have their own in-house? Exactly. Oh, okay. Cool. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another one that very interesting to me because it is a world that I think is a very cool kind of um, 
characters, just so many good characters in there. And I think it's Image Comic that did them, um, did the original Valiant, but they okay. also, they were, they got big enough that they had, um, you know, the Legendary board game did Marvel and then Legendary, the, the card builder board game that yeah, did yeah. DC, they also have a Valiant one. And they've, and so they did okay. that whole, so they're big enough that there's, you know, there's enough there. And I think Bloodshot, a lot of people recognize Harbinger, it. Shadow Man, Archer and Armstrong are just some of the characters. Yeah, those are the included. those are the top ones. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. There's even a movie. There might be one movie out of a Valiant character at the moment. I think Vin Diesel might have been. Oh, and it's powered by Mutant and character. Masterminds. So Kickstarter January sixteenth. Yeah. And Green Ronin does a lot of cool stuff. I mean, there's a lot of games that Green Ronin the company has put out there too that we would recognize. So I thought we'd put it out there. Yeah, no, for sure. I've I've never played a superhero uh rpg i've played i played sci-fi i've played fantasy but and i've played like played kids couple, on bikes but i've never played i've never been superhero that could be fun i don't know i did a couple of demo games at um gen con and i played a lot of mass a next generation which or a new generation which is yeah one of the best tabletop role-playing teenage x-men style Powered by the apocalypse <laughs> superhero game. And I ran them for Monty Cook and some of the other, um, they were just running some off games also at the same time at their tables. Um, oh, okay. And and Magpie had them. So I, I ran them at some Magpie tables and it was really good. And Bloodshot, somebody, uh, somebody uh, Jancy in chat, chat <laughs> said Bloodshot mm -hmm. was the movie that they made. And that yes. stars Vin Diesel. Uh, yeah. It came out so in 2020. I have never heard of this, but it looks cool. Yeah. It's probably terrible because it. I've never heard of it, but. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's not bad for a watch. I wouldn't pay a bunch of money for it, but if it's on Netflix or something, yeah, not bad yeah. to pick up for to, to watch. So. Um, and then other than that, I just wasn't sure how much, you know, we were going to have to talk with news and stuff we did. So I was wondering for what, what are your what do you think we're going to see this year prediction wise? What do you think is on the horizon for us for tabletop role-playing games? But we know we're going to get several books from Dungeons and Dragons. We know there's a lot of revisions out and some Kickstarters, but what are you thinking? What are you, what are you thinking we're going to see tabletop role-playing game wise? Yeah, I think, uh, I think we're going to have the rise of the YouTube Kickstarter. Um, okay. Where uh, we already saw it with like D and D shorts you know, he did mm -hmm. uh, his thing. Um, Alan from DC20 is working on a game. I think he'll kickstart it. Uh, World Builder Bob casually mentioned that he's working on a game. So I think you're going to see a lot more of like, <laughs> and and again, I'm I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm not faulting those people by any means, but I'm looking at money and it's like, that's kind of the next logical step of making money is to be like, let's make a Kickstarter. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. And so you have people like D&D Shorts who are partnering with people who have written other stuff and they're like making supplements and things. So with the rise of that, uh, I wonder how much more uh, stuff we're going to see linked into D&D Beyond, much like the Dungeon Dudes. Their Dungeons mm -hmm. of Drakenheim supplement for 5e got pulled into that. Um, and a lot of people are like, oh, Wizards is showing this as a, as good faith, blah, blah, blah. But really they, they want you to still play 5e. They don't want you to play other games, um, which right. is not yeah. like malicious. That's just their business tactic. Because if you're playing 5e, you're in their system, you're doing, you're buying mm -hmm. their stuff. 
you're you're on roll twenty or D and D Beyond. You're playing there. Um, and it's not like Roll Twenty D and D Beyond where I start playing, you know, mutants and masterminds or some other random system. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like you only play Five E. So why don't we bring in these people? So I, I'm wondering how much more of that you'll see in there. I wonder if like Monty Cook stuff will get pulled into D and D Beyond for the Five E stuff, you know. And um, mm-hmm. I wonder if you'll see Flea Mortals pulled into D and D Beyond. Like uh, yeah. who knows, you know. Um, I also want to point out that like we don't have an OGL for the 2024 books, so you might not see a lot of Kickstarters this uh, 2024 until, and I can almost guarantee that Wizards is going to release those new books. We're going to play, um, play it for like a year. Then they'll think about creating an OGL for it, and I don't know if they will, so... Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Um, I think we're going to see yeah. a big glut of virtual tabletops this year. I think I've already been seeing that, like, you know, Foundry, Roll20, mm-hmm. Nexus, um, DD Beyond could have theirs out at some point this year, possibly. I'm st- and I and then I'm seeing like Alchemy was was really popular and getting a lot of press lately. Demi play. No, yeah, Demi. Yep. So there's just I feel like there's a lot of people out there looking to get onto that virtual tabletop um, train of storing characters, storing campaigns, mm-hmm. storing monster stats, storing maps. Well, that's the other thing. Uh, do you do? I know you like to play online, but like so much mm-hmm. of my day is spent online that like when I play RPGs, I don't want to play online. Like I want to play at a table with friends. Um, yeah. Do you think there'll be a shift to more online play or less online play now that the pandemic is settled down? Like you said, I am biased, so my answer will be slightly biased. I think it'll switch to more online. Um, I just you get to play with the people you want to play with. That's the good thing. You don't have to yeah. be like, well, Lucian's in another yeah. state, so I people can't move play with away. him. Yeah. yeah. Or just the idea, like, if you're even thinking, hey, I've got to watch my son this morning, and then we've got this other thing. I could fit two hours in if I don't have to drive somewhere, hang out, drive back in time to get to do something. If I could just pop my computer on, participate, and then the minute I'm off my computer, okay, guys, I got to go. I'm already at home. I'm already getting people ready to go and go off and do the thing that we're going to do. And that kind of convenience is just so good sometimes. But being around a table of friends is is awesome too, right? So it's just like, it's tough. So convenience first you know, closeness or, or being together or hanging out. So I don't yeah. know. I think we'll see more online, but what do you, I, I'm guessing you lean more, you'll see, we'll see more table, but. Well, I, I honestly don't know. That's kind of why I asked. Uh, I, yeah. if I were to guess, I would say it'll probably stay the same because the people who oh, want to play at the table, will play at the table, you know, um, yeah. because it's such a, uh, you know, like what's everybody's schedule like? You know, it's like, I don't know mm-hmm. what your schedule is going to be like in 2024, but I do know that I prefer to play this way. But if it's that or no play, I'll probably play online kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, Cause ultimately I want to play and hit, see my friends. Uh, but you know, my, my DM Nathan, you know, he moved away and he's only like an hour and a half away, or, or I guess it's an hour away, but to drive there an hour to play for, four sometimes five hours and then to drive back that's like a whole day day dedicated to that 
um, <laughs> which I was like, no, I, I want to dedicate that time. The problem is there are things that are slightly more important than me playing D&D. And because it's such a large window, even if this small sliver of a thing only takes like 15 minutes, I still can't do that because it, mm-hmm. it I can't get there and back to do all of this other stuff. So uh, it's it was very difficult to play where it could have been like, hey, I can run then do this for 15 minutes and then I'll come back and join the game online. Um, yeah. But it was it was very difficult. So, yeah. so I, feel uh, like I don't know. I wish I lived in a town that had I guess it would be called like a gaming bar or a gaming, like it's almost like a, they turn a restaurant or a a meeting place into places where people can bring their groups to play games, whether it's board games or card games or role playing games. Yeah. And I know there's many, Austin has lots of these things, probably Boise. I I think Hank Inferno is building one in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I I just don't have any one of those because I think I would go to that where we could all say, hey, let's all go there because we could order some food. Yeah. We can have drinks. We'd have a cool big table. Well, my gaming. Have a good time. Yeah. My my gaming area is totally like DoorDash food. Like, do what you want. Sometimes there's a food truck outside that'll sell to us. Like, (laughs) because they know it's dinner time. You're all coming off of work. And so. Yeah. um, And the, the, gaming area doesn't really care if you bring in food so that's always nice but yeah but yeah i don't know I, yeah the 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 nice those. adult gaming atmosphere area would yeah. be cool like yeah. like a gathering place that's meant for that and i know there's some places that have it and they they even make the whole place up like bookshelves and cool decor and you know they've got all the stuff that you feel like you're in a cool gaming lounge or gaming bar whatever you would call it yeah um, i wish i had one of those uh, or I wish that... I would. I know it would make enough money that I could create one, but I don't know if it would make enough money in my area. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can make look, that leap. Look up uh, your parents' basement, which is okay. uh, it's in Pennsylvania, and you can find really cool pictures of it. But they started a a board game space. It's in an old bank, uh, and they dressed yeah, it yeah, up perfect. like like one of the rooms is dressed up like an '80s basement, and they've got it's so cool. Like he did a really yeah. good job. But your, cool. your parents' basement, it's really cool. Um, I don't know other New Year's predictions. It's such a it's such an influx year. I'm trying to think of 2014 when 5e came out. You know, there wasn't a lot of like 5e Kickstarters because everyone was still trying to figure out what this new system was. But the 2024 version will be so like similar, similar compatible that I'm wondering. Yeah, it won't be that big of a splash. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had a question for you. That's kind of another one I didn't put on there, but it was an interesting idea. So you're our you're our resident OSR guy, and of the two or maybe, yeah. And I like it, but I just know <laughs> your your passion for it is 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 true and known within our show as we all take drinks when you when you mention it. Um, and maybe some people don't know what OSR stands for, Mister Jordan. I don't even Tell think the people OSR in the OSR for. know what it stands for. <laughs> okay, but... what is Jordan? What is your? What is the the going? popular conception of osr what is that what are those three letters actually mean yeah well it's number one old school revival or old school renaissance is what they call it and so the idea of the osr is that you know back in the 1970s and 80s before we had a lot of mass communication like the internet there were little pockets of people that played D&D in very specific ways. And so if I was at a table with my friends in Cleveland and we played like this, and then all of a sudden, oh, dad got a new job and I moved to Florida. And then I find a new group and I start playing the same way. They're like, 
you can't do that. Like, what do you, when we look for traps, we roll this. And it's like, what? And it's the idea that these house rules became so common because there wasn't a foundation of people to tell you, like there wasn't a Wizards of the Coast on high to be like, Jeremy Crawford said no, you know? <laughs> uh, and, be, and so you're like, I don't know. Um, and the old, old school revival was the idea of bringing that back, that it's okay to have a dozen different rules that do the same thing. And the people who play the game are like, oh, I get to choose what I want to use. You know, this is how mm -hmm. I want to play the RPG rather than how the book tells me to play. Um, and then that spent or, you know, spawned a whole bunch of, well, I'm going to make my own game and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, mm -hmm. When the OGL debacle hit, I wanted, I was like, we should rename this the old school resistance. That would be cool. But, <laughs> that's cool. Um, and really, those but that's what OSR is. It's just taking those those like plethora of old rules and incorporating them into a simplified version of Dungeons and Dragons that you like. So, do you like dungeon so, crawling? Here you go. This is how it works. Do you want this? Perfect. You know. But it is focused more on that than story. I feel, but that's changing as everything's evolving and changing. You know. So yeah. So I want to latch on to old rules a second because mm -hmm. if you if you really break it down, then what we're talking about is either. Some of that could be based off the basic edition rules. It could be based off the advanced rules, correct? Yeah, like is second 3. edition. Five or... or three, third edition in any of the OSR? Or well, is that too new of a rule set to be in OSR? It's more of a feel. And that's the thing mm -hmm. is like there isn't a hard and fine d definition because I think the majority of OSR people think that DCC is OSR, but that's all based off of 3.5 rules like the entire edition right. right. um, And then there's a huge divide. We don't even have the RPG yet, but there's a huge divide where people are like, MCDM is not OSR. Like, but he's trying to incorporate a lot of the XYZ of what he played as a kid into it. So it's like, well, isn't that the definition of OSR? Like, I don't know. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Like, So where I was going with that is, here, here's where the tie-in now is. When do you think, or do you ever think, fourth edition rules would be somehow then associated with OSR as being old school Renaissance? That it's far enough away, it's far enough old school that the fourth edition version could be part of OSR. Um, I think that's a fun question. Uh, somebody was talking in chat that, uh, <laughs> yeah, Jancy was saying that you know. Wizards of the Coast uh, slash the PR guy that went around and talked to everybody. I forget his name after the OGL debacle. One of the questions was like, hey, you put 5e in Creative Commons. Are you going to put second edition, third edition, fourth edition? Mostly third and fourth. Are you going to put those in there? And they were like, yeah, we will. We just have to go through it with a fine tooth comb to make sure we're not giving something away that we want to keep. And it was like, cool, that's been a year and they have not done that. <laughs> uh, so who knows if they will? It could be one of those things where it's like, actually, we looked at that and now we really don't want to. Uh, but since the OGL encompassed fifth edition and third edition, I'm really surprised that they haven't put the third edition SRD into Creative Commons. I'm not surprised if they don't do that for fourth edition because fourth edition was never part of the OGL. They really held on to that. They wanted it to be their game. Um. To answer your question, I think we would need a whole one Hasbro would have to put 4E SRD in the Creative Commons. Two, 
uh, we would have to have um, an entire generation who didn't really remember fourth edition and then discover this like sacred SRD document and create from there to really think about it. But even then mm -hmm. we've already established that OSR is like seventies and eighties, you know? So, right, right, right. Um, so then I think they would call it like new OSR or something like who knows? Uh, new Renaissance. Yeah. <laughs> but if it. you think about it, like the majority of people that are creating OSR stuff, they're my age. Like they're people that were born in the eighties that yeah, oh, didn't yeah, yeah. play in the seventies and eighties because they were <laughs> six. So yeah. I think of like Yokai Gal with Karen, like he's 40, he's my age. And Ben Milton, I think is younger than me and he's creating Nave mm -hmm. and all this other stuff. So I, uh, it's it's not how old you are it's it's you know but like they call it old school because of that but like hey if if somebody was in their 70s and they were like well i'm gonna call it old school osr because i actually played in 1974 <laughs> i don't think Grand that person uh, i don't know yeah i guess i i long story short but i think that would ha first wizards would have to put it in creative commons and let it go full circle so yeah yeah it, I just was thinking it was interesting because there are so many factors that have to come together for that to happen for a niche group to grow big enough to be a popular subset. And we know OSR is a popular subset. Now it's not just a few people. It's a big community. It's getting very they're, popular. They're, yeah. yeah. It's doing really good. And I just wonder where those cutoffs were going to be. So I just thought it was an interesting question. We should yeah. ask Ben at some point or even Lex and those guys who are deep into that community kind of, what they think too on that. I wonder if we'll have yeah. that. Or you know, and will we ever get a non D D game in the OSR? Could we get a original Pathfinder part of it somehow? Or does Powered by the Apocalypse somehow get pushed into that also? Because now it's been out long enough that it could be considered Well, yeah. Now you're getting into the the nuances of is it a story game? Is it a yeah. dungeon crawl? And again, the the population is divided on like i don't know if powered by the apocalypse is osr because you start doing like well is uh uh what's the powered by apocalypse dungeon dungeon crawler what's that called that uh dungeon world dungeon world thank you yeah, yeah. so powered by apocalypse dungeon world is powered by the apocalypse it's very story driven it's also called dungeon world and a lot of people associate that with the OSR because, like, you're going on missions and you're a fantasy and you're doing this. Yeah, and it's like, is it? And yeah. so like, that's light. Is that's that the, the thing. Other one? Like, we don't Candle. we don't have a good you know gauge on it, and so I don't I don't mm -hmm. know. Like, uh, and that's and that's probably a good thing because there okay. isn't there isn't a Jeremy Crawford on high that is coming down and saying, you know, let me touch this Dungeon World book and label it OSR. Uh, it's all play what you want to play, take the rule that you mm -hmm. want to take. I don't like that. You know, Shadow Dark is a prime example where I was reading through Shadow Dark. 80% of that book is fun random tables to create stuff. But it's a very simple game. And and what did Kelsey do? Is she she was like, Well, I want to rate I want to build a game, but man, Dark Vision really messes up everything I want to do. So rule number one, nobody has Dark Vision. And that was her OSR style rule where she's like, I'm going to just get rid of this. And so even though you're an elf, even though you're a dwarf, you don't have dark vision. And it's a heavily, heavy reliance on torches and uh, management of items that you have because that's the style of dungeon crawling she wanted, you know, mm -hmm. when she wrote that game. And the cool thing about that is I can read that and be like, oh, 
boy, I like all of this, but I don't like this. Maybe I'll change it and do this. And that's, you know, the whole point. And then you get, all of a sudden you get modular D6 where Jordan's making weird things about D6s and calling it cool. So there you go. Exactly. <laughs> so what did Jordan do over, um, or what's he got planned gaming wise? What did yeah. you end up getting to do since, um, well, the middle of December in yeah. the first week of January. Haven't haven't played any games really because <laughs> of the no games just, got played. Wow. Yeah. Well, I did play one. So Lex ran a, a Dungeon Crawl Classics game called Doom of the Savage Kings for me mm-hmm. and Diogo, who is a Brazilian uh, art tabletop RPG creator and artist, and Jen from she's living in france but she does a lot of art and tabletop book stuff and the hype goblin and we recorded that and that'll be actually airing tomorrow on the jocular junction so you can check that out um and we're gonna do like a four-part series so it'll be like part one is tomorrow and the next sunday will be part two etc um you can check that out on jocular junction subscribe um but mostly i've been reading uh i started writing uh like a rough outline of the dungeon for boned which is my you're playing as a skeleton which the more i think about it i really like the idea minion uh like a, yeah a minion yeah too. like That's you're just like a you got a <laughs> stick you're like all right i yeah. gotta go take care of these rats or something like my necromancer says i have to um but i started boned and i was thinking about it like i'm, I'm trying to write it for a very osr style system but then i was thinking like Gygax even said, like, you can play the monsters. Like, let players play the monsters. And I was like, every possible fantasy RPG has a skeleton. So mm-hmm. this, if I if I if I write this correctly, it could really be system neutral. And you could just be like, mm-hmm. all right, here's your skeleton. What do you want to do? And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, like I'm a skeleton. And and you, you know, like you're familiar with 5e, you're a 5e skeleton with a bow or a 5e skeleton with a sword. Go have fun. Um, and I think that could be a lot of fun. So, yeah. so I've been writing boned and then, uh, through writing boned, I was writing, I was coming up with ideas for modular D6. So I was kind of going back and forth to that. Actually, this is kind of cool. I don't know if you saw Lucian, but I made, um, uh, I found a, a zine template. And so I made a little modular D6, like this is how to create, uh, yeah, this is like how you create your character and like create spells and stuff. So Very I wrote cool. this um, as kind of a an idea in my head where I'm like, well, can I simplify it enough to work with that with six very tiny pages? And mm-hmm. I was able to. So I was like, oh, this is really cool. So I started working on that, um, which is kind of fun. And that's like an even simpler version of modular D6, which is probably the, the good starting point because if like the base base works, then I can extrapolate however I want. I love the idea that you just said there. It's a D6 game. So you're going to make sure that the role-playing rules are six pages. Like, yeah. so, that's so cool. I love that. <laughs> uh, and coincidentally, it just came with six pages. But right. <laughs> my template right. that I had. It just know. worked out. It just works out. <laughs> got to have a cover. Yeah. Got to have other stuff. That's uh, cool, so doing that, and then I'm reading lots of indie systems. I read uh, – I'm actually keeping track of all the books that I read in 2024 because I want to – at the end of the year, I want to be like, oh, yeah, I read that because I, I rarely do this, but I have a list now. And first, first on the list was Shadow Dark. I read Shadow Dark. Um, mm. On January 21st, my DCC group will get back together, and we're going to 
hopefully finish Peril of the Purple Planet. And then when that game is done, I think we're going to play Plangea, which will be the first time I've played 5e since Great Mode Run March. Uh, um, and that's a phenomenal system. So I'm really excited or phenomenal setting. It's really, really exciting mm -hmm. to play that. Mm -hmm. um, and then other than that, I'm I'm building game shelves in my basement for uh, I'm building shelves in my game room More books. <laughs> so I can have books. <laughs> Um, and I've got quite a bit done. Um, I got a COVID booster that really knocked me for a loop. I had a sick kid for a while. So a lot of it is kind of hinged on, I wasn't available, but mm -hmm. not working for like four days during Christmas. I was able to like, Oh, I can like saw this wood. This is amazing. And so, um, and then I raided my father's, uh, woodworking shop for various drill bits and stuff that I needed to get things done. So. I will show pictures of that when it's done. And not before. Stop pestering Jordan. me, viewer. Can you uh, get my siren? Oh, first of the month? I can't hear it, but there you go. Oh, so just keep talking, Jordan, because it's going like that. Okay. Uh, should we roll out of here, or did you want to talk about anything of your games? I can't hear you. Uh, oh. How about now? There yeah. We go um hopefully they don't do it for too long they do the tornado siren at the very beginning of the year um no i mostly played computer games i watched a lot of movies and youtubes and stuff over that holiday because i took a bunch of time off from work we did play dungeon of the mad mage but we played a side step where we came out of the dungeon after we had cleared level 20 i think it was and when we came into the um in um the, the yawning portal there was a group playing, there was a whole mess of fighting going on that was caused by the deck of many things. So they uh. tied, our Dungeon Master tied in the deck of many things. Somebody had pulled a card, chaos had ensued, and we'd come up just as that had happened. Then we'd found out that two of our people have been captured because they drew from the cards and they got sent to the donjon, which is the uh, part of that. So we were on a mission to end the donjon to, to rescue some of our players. So... Um, that was what I had done, and that's kind of where we're at on our Thursday night game. We're gonna, I think we're going to finish it here probably in the next month or so, and then we'll be talking about what are we going to do next after this long, I feel like it's been a year and a half, playing Dungeon of the Mad Mage all the way through the longest campaign I've ever done, highest level characters I've ever created, that kind of thing. So um, it's very interesting. But I would say go ahead and take us out. That's probably our show for today. Uh, awesome. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, as we're figuring out our schedules, we'll we'll get back. I know um, Lucian is doing a bunch of stuff. Saturdays are uh, not super difficult, but yeah. <laughs> so we're trying to figure it out um, if we can do this, but maybe we'll record on a different night, or maybe the show will evolve into something else, and we'll kind of, um, you know, have a chat with Jordan and Lucian time and we'll just kind of talk about the cool things that we're interested in. So, uh, cause definitely you're still running through, um, uh, your, yeah, you're, are you still running that, that five E game where I was going to be the villain or something? So yeah. Yeah. You're muted, but okay. So <laughs> yes, we were on a break, but yeah, over the holiday, we had that's the thing. Like you're on a break, but I was like, I bet people still want to hear about all of that. So, 
Uh, Shozama, thank you so much for the $2 donation. We, I have played Old School Essentials. Uh, actually, if you go to the Jocular Junction, there's a video of me running um, a custom frog dungeon that I built using uh, OSE, and it's really, really great. Um, but this was fun. So we're going to try and figure out a system that works. But I know, especially not not January is the problem, but really going forward, Lucian's got yeah. uh, big camping plans and things like that. Once spring hits, so, it's big. Um, we're, you know, you got to go live your life. So, Well, and your kid's old enough now that your weekends could start to really. Well, no, they, too, they know, already are. Yeah, stuff. It's yeah. <laughs> getting quite busy. Yeah, weekends um, are very important to people's lives. <laughs> uh, it's It's hard to organize a game on the weekends too like i've i've found that it like tuesdays and wednesdays Mm -hmm. i can get people to show up the most consistently (laughs) but fridays no thursdays it's always like well i'm leaving for a long weekend and the weekend is just out you don't get people to play on the weekends so yeah uh and it's kind of similar with podcasting and schedules and stuff uh but i yeah i want to do a lot of other like live streams and stuff here and there when i can so uh we'll we'll see what happens um but anyway thank you guys so much for watching we'll be back when we're back and uh we'll see you all in the next episode of the saturday morning rpg show goodbye